Recording. Huh? Recording. What? Recording. Huh? <laughs> it's it's fashion. <laughs> it's fa- but it but is it fashion? Fashion. Is it it's, fashion? It's fashion. But is it but it, is it fa- fashion? Ah, God, I love those two. I prefer fashion over fascism. Yeah. Word. Hi, this is Cody Degalorian. This is Neil Degalorian. And welcome to another episode of Bearded Fruit. Instead of recording an episode today, we're actually just going to take a nap. No. Oh, that's a terrible way to start. That oh. that like lowers the expectations in such a See, that's ways. the idea though. So if oh. you lower the expectations and when you exceed them, people are like, "Oh, wow." I get it. Then it's like plot twist. Yeah, you actually get, like good. Like, maybe trust me I once see. in your life? Well, okay. We'll see about that. Okay. So, uh, today is Father's Day. We're recording this on Father's Day. Uh, so, happy Father's Day to all the queer dads out there. Um, and none of the straight dads. None of the straight dads. No, we Forget don't Forget you, straight you. dads. Yeah, you know, like, parenting is really tough work for anybody, but being a queer parent uh, is sometimes a little harder. There are additional challenges that you face out there in the world. So, cheers to all of you queer dads who are doing a thing and doing it well. Theoretically. Theoretically, yes. Supposedly. Right. If you're doing it poorly, then, I mean... You know who you are. I'm really disappointed in you, if that's the case. Yeah, so it's kind of like appropriate that this week would would, uh, be Father's Day weekend, because uh, there's a very interesting uh, news story this week on the subject of queer, question mark, dads? I hope you're ready to feel very uncomfortable, because I sure am. Yeah, so so daddies have been a bit in the news lately. Uh, if uh, you've been noticing, uh, GOP rep Matt Gates recently got into a really heated exchange with a fellow congressman uh, from Louisiana, actually, Cedric Richmond, during a recent hearing on the Justice in Police Act. And Gates sort of like, in the session flipped his shit when he felt that Richmond was sort of accusing him of one, not knowing what it's like to have a, to raise a non-white child. And then also after like some pushback from Gates, Richmond sort of was like, I actually care about, at least I, it seems like I care about those kids more than you do, even if you do have a non-white child. And then Gates like lost it. He did like the slam his hand on the table and it was, it was like all drama. It was very that mirror episode in all stars Two. It was like gag goopery drama that three-way gag absolutely and then it gets worse it gets so much it gets worse. so much worse so like if you went the next day gates revealed why he had kind of flipped his shit and it is because he has a son sure chance <laughs> So he's got a son. So he tweeted out this tweet with a picture of him and this. Um, I mean, I, I'm not gonna say a boy because he's not a boy. He's he's like a man. He's, he's a, man. a person. He's a person. He's a, he with this person, a male person, um, named Nestor. And it was a tweet of this picture, and this was the text that accompanied that tweet. For all those wondering, this is my son Nestor. We share no blood, but he is my life. He came from Cuba legally, of course, six years ago and lives with me in Florida. I am so proud of him and raising him has been the best, most rewarding thing I've done in my life. 
Nobody asked <laughs> for this. Nobody. It gets. Oh, oh I yes. just so I, I saw the memes before I saw mm-hmm. the tweets. So I was like, oh, this. What is the backstory behind this? And then I looked it up and I immediately regretted it. And it's bad. I wish I had known. I wish I had lived in that like moment of ignorance where I'm like, oh, this is funny. Like Ian McKellen tweeting about his son, Nestor, when it's actually... Um, um, Sir Patrick, almost said Dempsey. <laughs> now that was a sudden nighting I was not aware of. <laughs> yeah, no, I was is... not aware that Sir Patrick. You mean Sir Patrick Stewart? Yeah, yeah. Anyway, I saw the memes, and I wish I could go back to like ignorant Bliss Neal before he knew the the behind the scenes of the meme. Because now I just I I don't want a meme ever again. So here's the behind the scenes. Nestor is 19 years old and not officially his son there are no adoption papers um he's not like officially matt gates's child or son and nestor was never mentioned in literally anything that this guy has put out there as a congressperson or as a candidate ever uh not on his website it's not on his official bio none of that stuff was never concluded any campaigning until right now he like literally just popped up in the tweet and um here he is but he had like existed in the past but yes. had been not referred to by correct as, as a son yes internet sleuths god bless you internet sleuths nancy uh, drews of the world nancy drews did their thing and they found previous tweets from a few years ago from gates where nestor is included in pictures but he's a, he's a page and he's referred to as just like working. They're like, hey, my guys, I'm working with the pages. And that was sort of the, the, the tone. It wasn't like, this is my son, Nestor, working as a page. It wasn't that. It was just, he's a page. And like everybody got really like super like creeped out by this because there's something not right about it. Well, maybe not not right, but there's mm-hmm. something fishy. There's something fishy about there's it. There's something fishy. And yes. also there's just something... Like, beyond the whole, here's this convenient brown boy who's been in my life this whole time, and that's why I lost my, my shit on, on the floor of Congress. Like, there's something beyond that where it's just like, are you that girl that I thought you were? Yes. And I think I think she might be. She might be. Well, it's like, okay, so what's also kind of funny about it, too, and it's a, like a detail that I don't hear talked about too much. He came from Cuba six years ago. Meaning he was 13. Right. And like, so six years ago, but he's framing it as though he raised this child. He, he was 13 when he came to the U.S. Like, did you, did you like over Zoom raise him? What did you do? I don't understand how like, he is my son and I'm the proudest thing I've ever done is raise this child. Bitch, you did not raise that child. He was 13. What if raising is a better version of the word grooming? Well, that is actually a lot of the discourse around. Yeah, that. yeah. Everyone it feels very groomy. Yeah, everyone was like, he's saying he's his daddy, but they're but what everybody thinks is that he's his daddy, and that's not okay. That's not okay. No, it's like even if he's nineteen creepy. now, it's not okay. Yeah, there's just it was just something like a really like gross, and it all sort of rings creepy. In a follow up conversations after this, because I think like. Once he put it out there, I think he thought that everybody was going to sort of like cheer that he had this son. But everybody, oh yeah, that's, yeah. that makes sense. Instead, oh. everybody went like, "Ooh, ew!" <laughs> <laughs> 
shout out to Madame Lequeer. Um, but yeah, like, so everybody had that response. And so he tried to like, not, I guess like not cover up, but sort of like fix the weirdness of it. And the way he sort of fixed it is said like, well, okay. I mean, yeah, I'm, he's not, I never adopted him. I really see myself as more of a step parent. That doesn't help. Which is also <laughs> weird and gross. And he says that Nestor is the brother of an ex-girlfriend. There's an entire porn, in- porn industry about stepdads. Like, yeah. That makes it worse it's than so, anything. So, so bad. And so, look, everything about this story just kind of is really sort of gross. And it... Um, it sort of highlights this idea that, like, in it highlights the, the the notion in queer culture, not a notion, but it's like the reality in queer culture that there are a whole lot of of intergenerational or maybe not intergenerational, but like age differential couples that kind of have like a daddy son thing going on, and um, can't relate. <laughs> I mean, you know, you know, to each his own. Like, I'm not going to yuck anybody's yum, but I can't mm-hmm. relate to that. Yeah, so mm, called out. I feel very attacked. I'm La Ganja. Um, I don't know why you are because I'm I'm feeling fine over here. I guess so. But yeah, so that made us want to, that made us start thinking about about like daddy in this kind of queer context and uh, why why kind of like this whole Matt Gates thing is kind of like weird and creepy, but then also how that idea of kind of like daddy in queerness relates to us and how we kind of relate to it. And like before getting too far into it, I do want to point out it has been very recently co-opted and appropriated by straight culture in that like daddy is the new thing that I mean, like it's always been a thing like there have always been um, women calling their their partners, their male partners, daddy. That's always been a thing. But like especially now I've been seeing it a lot more. So um, gays did it first, obvi, naturally. And um, please don't take our language. I mean, I guess. Sure. Bah. You don't Fair care. enough. You don't care. So I guess like the first thing to maybe talk a little bit about is how we relate to this notion of daddy. I've already established that I can't. And, and, and how, that, how, that's how we relate to it and how we've kind of experienced it in the community. So, I mean, if you follow me on Twitter... You know that I embrace this idea of being like the your internet queer dad. Um, I have I have I have internet friends who call me horror dad, and I I like I, I fully embrace this like this like this notion of of like daddy in in that kind of gay context. Um, not so much always in the in the kind of like sexual sense with people because that's kind of another layer of it but um yeah i've always i've always been i have a collection of daddy merchandise i have daddy themed merchandise i have like a big dad mug and i have a dad hat and i have a dad thing that you found for me i bought all of your daddy yeah. stuff <laughs> and then well no there I, ha- I have like a little an arc uh a, a little golden book that's about like yeah, uh, I did the not gold, buy you little that. golden book that of daddies. Daddy thing, I did not buy you. Everything else is my. Purpose. Yeah, I have a super dad shirt, and and I, yeah, like this. It's an idea that I feel sort of comfortable embracing because it does sort of address. It does sort of answer some of the, the like things in my personality and the way I like to relate to other people. Um, yeah, I mean, I don't mind being called dad. Well, I mean, like it boils down to this notion of stability and this notion of, um, like paternal paternity um that i think a lot of people migrate towards not only on the daddy end but also on the daddy chaser end they're looking for stability they're looking for 
um, somebody to care about them. And specifically, I mean, they're looking from that from like a more masculine point of view. And this idea of if I take care of somebody, if I'm in charge of them or not in charge of them, but if I am able to provide for them um, emotionally in a certain way that they don't that they need, um, then I can become the daddy. I am the daddy. The daddy is me. Yeah. I think like so that I feel like I relate to it in another context too. Like there's something to me very appealing about the dynamic of kind of like the mentorship side of of it. Yeah, that's what I was getting at. There's the the, like so it's not just about like being able to provide a playing through, but I also like the engage the intellectual engagement and the mental engagement of of sort of being the person to kind of I'm gonna teach you how to do things and uh, I'm gonna like encourage you and give you advice, but not like fixing a car. You can't teach anybody how to fix a car. No, <laughs> no, I can't. It's I a could different form of knowledge. It's a different yeah, knowledge yeah, 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 set. Yeah. yeah, and 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 like and actually, I hadn't thought about this before, but it's also sort of wrapped up into some ideas about just what about masculinity and how to sort of think about masculinity that I always seem to to connect with the like engagement around the notion of daddy of like the that role is sort of like teaching the younger person how to be a better man does that make sense yeah so like that that idea that it's also sort of about like communicating and 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 passing on the roles of like how to be like a good respectful guy and and to do the things that you're supposed to do and to be an upstanding dude in the world uh, like that that is actually honestly like that's a very appealing part of that dynamic to me and that engagement around the notion of dad he's currently sprouting an asexual boner right now in his heart thinking about it i mean yeah yo that's like a seriously good part about that to me it contextualizes a lot yeah um and then like there's of course that's like the the did you always sort of connect with did you always like look for dads (laughs) i'm gonna plead the fifth here real quick I don't know. I I mean, I think I think for me it it's always been in that realm of like stability and like emotional and psychological um I keep coming back to the word dominance, but I don't think that's it really. It's more coming from a, a space of just uh just being strong and and having something to to grasp onto in terms of god it's sounding even worse now um i keep trying to make think about it emotionally and it just keeps coming back to innuendo um but i think i think at the end of the day it's it's more so for me about the stability and maturity not that i necessarily inhabit those although like i think i do and always have been in a different headspace than a lot of my contemporaries. Like, I don't think I, I actually found myself even attracted to somebody my own age until I was in my 20s. And even that, that person was still older than me in some way, shape, or form. But now that I'm 30, um, people are calling me daddy. Granted, that's been happening for a while, and it's always been because it's it's a role rather mm-hmm. than it's an age thing. I've had people older than me call me daddy, and it's always been because of the role that I'm exhibiting in our relationship rather than an actual age thing. 
So I think it comes back to, to even though there is that sexual and erotic component, I think it always comes back to that more emotional and psychological mindset of what does daddy mean? It means stability. It means strength. It means um, somebody who can take care of me in, in one way, shape, or form. So it all comes back to that, I think. Oh. Yeah, and so like what's... Okay, going off that, a thing that's been interesting for me is that as a young person, because I am not 30, I am 44, as a young person, my initial engagements with men were very much, I was looking for dads. I was looking for daddies. And that was exclusively, I exclusively dated people who were older than me. And then there was this moment at some point where, I don't know, I guess like physically I started to look different and I started to look like uh, a dad and that began to shift like it there was this moment I guess in my mid mid late 20s I guess where it started to change and it was more like I was now in the position of the dad role and I was not really so much able to connect with people who were older than me in that in that like where I could treat them as that the dad that wasn't so much appealing I guess because I I look like I'm 50 or whatever. Uh, but that like completely shifted, even though I still would very much like to be, I'd like to be the, the, I don't want to say the son, but like, I guess so. Somebody adopt Cody. Somebody, Somebody on Twitter. Yeah. Like, please. Cause sometimes the dad needs a dad. Sometimes a dad needs a dad. Is my grandpa out there? <laughs> sometimes a dad needs a dad. And that would be, yeah. Can you hear me, Papa? Yeah, and and I think it, like mentally, it's it, for me, it's about two different two sides of my personality and wanting two separate things. Like I, I totally relate to the notion of wanting to be connected to someone in a in an intimate, emotional way, where that person is taking care of me and protecting me and and all that stuff. That's like that's a nice feeling, and that's not something that and I cannot do that for you. Yeah, well, because I do that for you, and it's yeah, like it's a. Excuse me, bitch. <laughs> but I do. Okay, that's nice. So, but that's true. Remember so, that one time you called me in a panic because you broke the faucet outside and you didn't know what to do? And I well, said, just push on it. Yeah, well, I didn't know what to do. <laughs> I, I didn't say I was a Who's handyman. Who's the daddy now, daddy? I, I didn't say it was a handyman. I just said... <laughs> I'm a handyman. Yeah, I'm not a handyman. Uh, as my, I was very proud of how well you used the sander yesterday. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you. You just picked it up and you're like, oh, so I just press it onto the thing? Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah. Even dads. Old, old dads can learn new tricks. Um, no, I guess. Or have new tricks. Uh, okay. So the other component of this is like beyond that. There, that then takes it into this other thing where I had a conversation on Twitter uh, several weeks ago where um, like my, my Twitter personality is like your queer internet dad. That's kind of my, my whole vibe on there. And there was this one guy who responded in my DMs to one of this and he was like, uh, just by the way, uh, I'm going to be I'm going to be I'm going to be blocking you because uh, this is gross and any guy any person who who engages or calls himself dad or engages in that kind of conversation you're into incest and you gross me out and I was like hold on <laughs> hang on queen you need to you need to you need to take a fucking step back maybe um pay attention to your tweets first like 
right maybe rewind yeah so it was a real so there, there but there is that in the in the i noticed like in queer male the queer male circle queer male circles this idea sometimes that if you're into the whole dad son thing you are also legitimately into incest which is Ew! <laughs> oh yeah it's like super super a weird thing to me um but but like the whole daddy thing does also have a sexual context too. I I can't relate to that either. <laughs> I just bitch Liza Minnelli lies. I don't um, know what you're talking about. So yeah, like I, you know the it, it's weird to me that there's that leap that you are into incest, which is a completely kind of fucked up power dynamic situation, and but I have I have enjoyed sexual experiences that include daddiness that have been rather lovely. I can relate to that. <laughs> um, They've been lovely. Well, I mean, like it that there is an entire industry that does exploit that fine line, and that mm. is very much so a thing. Yeah, like there's there's an entire role play aspect that does that that men do engage in, and I think you have, you have a question on the outline about like why do you think we uh as queer people kind of go to to this why why do we why do we go there and i think part of it is because as queer people we're already in that taboo space so like taking that a further step and engaging in inter intergenerational relationships it's just like okay it's not a big step it's not as big a step as it is for heterosexual couples I also think that there's definitely, I mean, there's always an aspect of power in any relationship, and especially when it comes to that, because we also see, I mean, just talking about in, in pop culture circles, celebrity men tend to have much younger partners that are that are women, and there's obviously a power thing there. But once it reverses and a celebrity female has a much younger male partner suddenly becomes a whole cougar thing it becomes a whole thing and it's like oh wow yeah misogyny exists but also there's just that double standard of um men are expected to be sexually attracted to younger people regardless Mm -hmm. and that's why it's kind of strange to be on the other end of that i think because on one hand i am expected to enjoy as a male i'm expected to crave youth um in my sexual partners but when i don't what does that mean what does that become and then when i age out (laughs) of that center then what does that mean do i have to flip my tastes do i have to flip my my i don't want to say preferences but do i have to flip my dynamic um which is something you kind of alluded to earlier so it's just like so complicated how much we are socialized even in in spite of being queer we're still socialized as men to crave youth or to be seen and 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 wanting to crave youth Ugh. yeah no that is kind of gross and um like i'm interested to talk a little bit more about uh like that idea the power part of it too uh because i mean i i, f- I feel like a lot of um and but and I am I am not deeply entrenched in the kink and fetish community. So if I get something wrong, tweet me about it. But I also feel like a lot of like fetish and kink play is really like thinking about power and 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 taking power dynamics 
and finding a way to, I want to say like sexualize them, but to utilize those, those, those power dynamics in a sexual context. So you're getting some pleasure out of them. And that this is like that. That's also this too. Like it's really also exploring really deeply like power dynamics. It's being able to turn to, to take Take the exchange of power, the notion of being submissive. Because I mean, I always assume like the son is a submissive one and the dad is the dominant one. And and being able to use those things in the in in bed in in a way so that you're turning those dynamics, which are maybe harmful out in the world, into something that's kind of hot in the bedroom. Ooh, can I get an advance on my allowance, Daddy? <laughs> I'll do anything. I really want to go to yeah. the One Direction concert with my friends. And like, so I think about that. I, I think I've always gravitated a little bit towards some of these kind of dynamics sexually because I don't often want to have sex. And so I felt like I had to, I had to find the thing that that would like hook me in. Does that make sense? Go on. Well, like, so, okay. For, I am, I identify as gray ace. And so I'm on the asexual spectrum and I, I honestly like don't really feel sexual attraction a ton of the time, but I have had a lot of sex in my life because that's just a thing I think you're expected to do if you're a queer person. And, but all of those sexual relationships have always had some level of, I don't want to say weirdness, but there's always been some dimension of kink or fetish or role play in all of those relationships. Can't relate. And I, I wonder, I've wondered sometimes if the, if the attraction of those things, cause, but I, cause, and I also never really like dove into kink or fetish in any kind of serious way. It wasn't like a deep, like wanting to really explore them it was kind of being i guess a tourist in them because it made it made like it added a dimension to the sexual experience that kept me invested next stop on our tour bus daddyville <laughs> yeah but like it kept me invested and so like this kind of dad son dom submissive play would keep me invested in a situation because it was it was it was an added dimension to the to the to the to the encounter and to the to the, the the sexual experience. Well, I think in in coming back around to this notion of power and this notion of stability, especially, I think like we as queer people don't have power, and we don't necessarily have we don't necessarily have power or stability in our lives. So it's like, yeah, we seek that out in whatever way we can, and I think a lot of that comes down to the bedroom because that's where we experience our queerness for the most part. So it makes sense to me that those kinds of worlds would be so readily available for queer people because it is something that we crave. We we crave stability and power. And, you know, culturally speaking, as um as queerness becomes more mainstream or more accepted, I'm curious to know how that does change these worlds and how how it will change our uh, queer sex lives and in and, and how will will it go further or will it actually kind of level out and suddenly everybody's vanilla because nothing is, is there is there is no struggle and power there's no craving of that because everybody has it or whatever so like there's there's a nice little um mind exercise is is there kink in an egalitarian world <laughs> i hope so <laughs> 
I hope so, because, you know, up with kink, it's fun. But all, but more importantly, up with egalitarianism. <laughs> so, there's actual research around some of this Yay. conversation. Uh, and it, there's research at the intersection of sexual attraction and age. So, there was this 2016 paper by Michael Sato in the Archives of Sexual Behavior that explored this idea. And he found and suggests that age, the age of one's sexual partner may be as stable an element of sexual orientation as gender. So what he was sort of saying is that our traditional notions of sexual orientation, we think of as gender as one of the only defining traits. Uh, But Sato thinks there are other dimensions that define orientation and age is one of them. So he thinks that we should be defining sexual orientation more broadly and include this like a rather stable tendency to be preferentially attracted to certain things in people. So being preferentially attracted to age, being preferentially attracted to other things. And um, that, that is also, that can be also as stable a part of our sexual orientation as the gender or gender expression of who we're attracted to. So, I mean, I, <clears throat> some something I think is really important though, that, I mean, I haven't read the paper. I've only read what you've, mm-hmm typed out about it but i think something that's incredibly important too to think about this is that it's these desires don't exist in a vacuum and that there are cultural things that that push i mean in in the same way that we we've talked about sexual racism on here and we've talked about this idea of how racial preferences are actually racist and not just a preference i feel like the same logic can be kind of tweaked a little bit to talk about that like there's definitely some cultural things that go into um our other forms of attraction whether that's age or things like that i think there's there's a lot of complications going on and that it's it's not just innate but it also is innate there's also Mm -hmm. something there and i mean like we're still figuring out what any of this means anyway but i think it's it's always smart to be cautious about this notion of how culture also impacts our desires, how culture impacts what we want and what we think we want. And even thinking about what we want in a partner, what we want in our lives. It's it's part of the reason also why I think polyamory is so popular among queer circles, because again, we're already taboo in one sense. It's just like another step. And then it's like, all right, here we are. So I think in, in talking about these things, we also always have to be very critical of how culture impacts our desires and how culture impacts what we are even allowed permission to desire. I wonder if this is another intersection with masculinity too, because I, like the cultural the cultural pressure of masculinity and the cultural pressure of having to perform masculinity in a specific way encourages queer people who are culturally considered to be not masculine because of the uh, the because of their of their queerness i wonder if that because i've always thought like that's kind of part of what is maybe attractive about leather and that whole thing where you're performing the the stereotypes of masculinity but there's also because i even said it before like my attraction to daddiness is about kind of traditional masculine roles that the performance of those things in those contexts allow one to connect more fully to the cultural expectations around masculinity and and you you're like embodying those things it's like realness in a ball in a bone a ball right well leather is essentially the entire leather scene is yeah. essentially nothing but pageantry like yeah, work it's it's essentially pageantry under the guise of hyper ultra masculinity same with all those bear contests that's a pageant that is a goddamn pageant there's nothing 
different from Miss Gay USA and like the Rhode Island Bear mm-hmm. of the Year or what? <laughs> no, but like there's there's very conceptually speaking, there's such little difference between the two concepts. It's all pageantry, and it's all appropriating a certain aspect, whether it's masculinity or femininity, and using it in a pageant format. So, like. I say that being like hypercritical because I'm just like I know that the the uh, uh, in my anecdotal experience a lot of the people that are in those circles are also like I'm not like other guys I don't like Lady Gaga you know I just <laughs> yeah, yeah. I don't like Lady Gaga I just like really like dressing up in my leathers and maybe I'll place like bitch <laughs> like yeah. that is dropped dead gorgeous basically the entire film yeah and then like yeah like, because it, it, it and it's like re- it's realness like the in, you know in in the in in the ball culture, the the notion of realness, what realness is, is sort of putting on the the costume of a particular kind of role. Like executive realness is putting on a suit, even though you are not an executive, and then performing that in the ball context. In a, is, and it's aspirational in its nature, and that we do the same thing in this kind of daddy context. Uh, we are not. I like. I am not a. I'm not a real dad, and I'm not a straight guy. I'm not. I'm not any of those things. But it, but. In, in I can have daddy realness. I can experience that. I can put on that costume for a while in a certain certain context with certain people, and then live that aspirationally and connect up to that cultural ideal through performance. The performance that realness performance. You're not a father, but you could be a daddy. Exactly. Exactly. Daddy. So daddy, please. there's also other research that talks a little bit about the dynamics of intergenerational relationships. And this is from a psychologist named Lauren Olson. I thought there were like the, the, some of the traits that he talked about that he sort of found as common across them. I thought they'd be interesting for us to chat about. Uh, one this, of them is this study was very validating. <laughs> <laughs> there's a large majority, if not most of these intergenerational couples um, believe they have always been attracted to someone 15 or to 20 years older or more. And as they age, that age difference and their attraction persists. That that's kind of an interesting thing for the younger person that they've always been attracted to someone who was older, and that that little piece does sort of reinforce um, Michael Sato's research about it being intrinsic to sexual orientation. It's mostly like a psychological thing. It's not mm-hmm. necessarily I'm only interested in forty year olds. It's yeah. I'm interested in people who are at least twenty years older than me. Yeah, and there was a part of about the other thing that it's not just about chronological age, but it's also about the performance of age too. So it's about maturity and, and wisdom and things like that. That that is also included in what being attracted to age is. I'm serving you Gen X realness. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Yeah. I remember Surge. No, that's a millennial thing. Damn it. Right. So another one of the traits that uh, Olson talks about is that many were or had been in enduring relationships and frequently as the older man has grown frail, the younger partner has become the primary caregiver. So. Can relate. Get bitch. (laughs) Fuck you. Um, Not true. We share caregiving responsibilities. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, I wash the dishes once a day. That's not true. Girl, let's not. So demands are often made of the younger man to explain his attraction to an older man. Even though he doesn't understand it himself, older men were rarely asked to defend their choice. That's what I was saying earlier. Mm-hmm. It's just yeah. expected. Um, more, most recent... Most resent any implication that their relationship is based on a wish to exploit the older partner, like a sugar daddy. But that doesn't stop us. (laughs) 
And then the last one, which that was really interesting. Although these younger men often questioned if their relationship with their father was responsible for their attraction, they were about equally split between those who had a good relationship with their dad and those who had a bad or no relationship. Dodged a bullet there. Yeah. And like, see, like I had, a, I have a great relationship with my dad, but I still can't relate. I, I still <laughs> like, I still want a daddy sometimes. I've always loved a daddy. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Um, any final thoughts on daddiness? Any for the audience? My dad's dead. <laughs> oh my god, he died a year ago. Yeah, so that's I true. can make jokes. That's fair. I've always made jokes. Yeah. Um. Yeah. So, like, you know, if you hit, find me on Twitter, it's cool to call me dad. That's cool. I mean, unless it's gross, don't be gross about it. Don't yeah, don't be gross about it. Not in public, at least. Right, exactly. Don't do it on my timeline. Um, that's what DMs are for. That's my job. <laughs> my job is to do it on the yeah. timeline. Don't don't do it. Don't do it on the timeline. Um, so as always, we are really grateful for all of your support and for continuing for you continuing to listen to Bearded Fruit. Uh, if you'd like to find us on the web, you can at beardedfruit.com or you can find the podcast on Twitter at beardedfruitpod. Uh, you can also find us individually on our various spaces. I am on Twitter more often than not at C. Orions. And Neil? I am at Neil Make Things, or if you're on Patreon, St. Harrison. That's right. I have a Patreon now. Um, and, you know, like, reach out to us if you're listening to the podcast and let us know what you think about it, what you think about an episode, and uh, share the episodes with other people. You can find episodes on iTunes. You can find us on Stitcher. You can find us on Google Play Music. And you can find us now on Spotify. So, you know, if you spread the word about our podcast, do, do Dad a favor on Father's Day and spread the word uh, about about the podcast to those that you think would be interested in what we're doing. And as always, we really appreciate your support. If you're lucky, maybe Cody will get Daddy on Main, but that might just be for his alt. That's probably just for my alt. Yeah. I'm not going to get Daddy on Main. Okay. I'm going to go get some ant repellent now because we have an ant problem. It seems that we do. Uh, <laughs> so as always, we will see you on the next episode. And uh, happy Father's Day. Bye.